This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The entire subculture of anime explainer videos, there's only like five or so really, really popular YouTubers, Mm -hmm. and they all have the same cadence of, well, he used his level two type waterbending form in the second level to defeat the spider demon's brother as That's he walked up the accurate. hill. <laughs> <laughs> that is genuinely very accurate like, how that really shit like, I, I don't need to know this. Who I are just these need characters? To There are no clouds in the skies over Sphere. The sun, if we were to watch it in a lapse, would circle lazily over the landscape below, shining down constantly. Despite direct contact from sunlight for hour after hour, day after day, the land below is cold, a frigid wasteland of tundra and snow. Snow that falls seasonally and stays forever. It crosses a landscape made out of mounds and hills that are a combination of rock and packed ice. The Uhuru drifts at a low altitude as the small flames that are kindled within the furnaces barely carry it through the landscape. Right now, every hand is on deck at a lookout, trying to find what Gable knows to be there. Gable, where are you? At the helm. I'm the only one who kind of knows where this place is, so heading it up. How are you guiding this navigation? In fact, like it being a midnight sun situation makes it somewhat easy to manage because, like, if... If the sun like is always there, you're all you're never gonna have like a real change in sight lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you've said before is that there's all these rock outcroppings, right? And they cast long shadows. So all you're really mm-hmm. doing is looking at the lines of these long outcropping shadows because there are all these serraturas on the pole are built into the lee, so there's not. It doesn't get hit by any wind or anything, so all you need to do is just lazily float your way along these these mm. ridges to find the one that you're looking for. Yeah. 
I, I think there is a grim tension for, for at least half the ship because, you know, some are, are searching out into the, the, the frozen wastes, looking at, you know, the, the mountains that are maybe in the distance, the, the hills, um, the, the rocky croppings by the shore. But the, the rest are looking out towards the rest of the shoreline, which does move off into icebergs that meet with the sea. And there is a tension of because the Saratura was built before the Mariner was was a known force, was something that had a name and a generally agreed identity, something that had waged war against the coasts and pushed humanity back into the mainlands. People still sailed on the sea. And this place where they built these Saraturas was a place that was sailed to, which means it was close enough to shore that boats could be built to port. You are moving along the coastline, and coastline is an ill-defined thing here, as it is cold enough in this part of Sphere for icebergs to form and large sheets of ice to form their own planes that people would be able to walk across. But just feet beneath them, is the cold touch of the briny sea. People are doing their superstitious traditions that they do whenever they look out towards the sea to keep themselves safe from the touch of the mariner's whispering. Jonnet, you being a star watcher and navigator, how are you aiding this effort right now? I, I, th- I think Jonnet is definitely, he is trying, like, He's got one of what the only one of the only maps on the ship. So he's like he's like uh probably like posted up near Gable, kind of just like just in case they give any kind of like he's he's very intently watching Gable because we're at a point right now where it's like he can't really discern like true landmarks. This map is like out of date with where he thinks we are. So he's Fully relying on Gable, but he's ready for Gable to give any kind of like, I don't know where I am, so he can like jump in and try and help. But I think in the meantime, he's also like, um, there are a bunch of like, like orphans or like little piece of shit people like uh, on the ship. Whereas I'm like, not an orphan, but I'm kind of a little piece of shit. <laughs> just a, just a little a piece of shit, guy. Tony. <laughs> But yeah, my like, hands, he, they're dirty. I don't wash them. I just get them all over stuff. I'm, I'm, I don't I'm, have I'm time a little for piece soap. of shit. I never believed in soap. I'm a little piece of shit. Um, never fucking catch me wearing a mask. I'm a piece <laughs> of shit. Please, you got to get out of my face. <laughs> wow, that guy. We never batted an eye. We let that guy straight on the ship. Um, <laughs> but I feel like there's folks, folks in that vein that are like trying to say, like being like, the wrong kind of superstitious where it's like this is it this is it we're gonna walk into the mariners like home base this is we are done and like he's trying to be like hey everybody let's all just like can we all just shut up can we all just shut up and like <laughs> gable knows what they're doing all right and then he looks at gable's like I, I, gable knows what they're doing but everybody needs to shut up okay all right everybody just like let's get up let's get if you're not if you're not actively helping let's get off the helm get, get off the helm and he's so like shooing people no um <laughs> no, get, get, go. no, no. Let's see. Um, you will see when we get there. Mm. You'll see when we get there. I'll we will all now. see when we get there, everybody. <laughs> um, and so, uh, and so, I think he like shoes people like down, and so kind of just like post back up, uh, 
like right, like in a flying V, like right next to Gable in case Gable needs anything. John, it is there. <laughs> and Nathan, I'm curious in a situation mm-hmm. like this, what does the captain do? The captain has kind of gone down to the lower decks and the stores uh, to take inventory of what we've gone through and what we do need to find because we were in such a, a an urgent rush to leave before once we got on the ship i don't think we've done a stock take in a while um yeah you you were down with spit and bathroom berry mm-hmm. um Captain, it's it's looking a lot more grim uh than we might have thought yes yeah. this is uh definitely not ideal uh i'm not sure exactly what we can hope to be uh picking up at uh an abandoned Saratura. We are definitely low on uh, on supplies for toiletries. Yes, <laughs> this is going to be uh, we're, we're going to be in a bit of a tight spot for a while. But uh, if we are where both uh, Jonathan and Gable say we are, then we are going to have to uh, not so much plunder as scavenge to make our way across <laughs> into warmer climes. Whatever we find will hopefully be able to get us to the next day and the next location, and then we resume. At that, Barry kind of like nods to himself, and then uh, he's like, I'll go get the axes. I'm assuming we're probably going to have to be chopping stuff up into smaller bits of pieces and wood, so uh, I'm going to go see if we've got some extra axes in the in the storage to hand out to some of our burlier crew members. Indeed. We uh, have already run relatively low on the supplies of extra doors that we mm-hmm. shatter when we go mm-hmm. to and from And of bathrooms. course we have to, we throw those doors out. We don't, we do not burn the doors. <laughs> I will not, I will not burn any of my extra balsa wood doors. I'm afraid we may have to be making those kind of sacrifices under the, under the circumstance while from Barry. Barry turns, Barry turns and gives Captain Oromara a look that he has never given anyone before. <laughs> in his entire life <laughs> we'll see what happens you best hope we find something good Barry and then he gives one single nod and then he leaves out the door chop chop Captain, <laughs> Captain we, we, we I mean you, you, your bar- Barry's right on in that uh, we we've moved through almost all fuel stock uh that was one of the few things that, that did survive our encounter with the Forest Queen until, you know, we had to take altitude and then head out of the forest. It took a lot of burning, especially at that altitude, to, to get us where we need to go. But mm. that's not even the big problem. Uh, I think if we go to a Saratura, we're going to be able to find the fuel. But, Captain, it's the food stores. We were there. We were there a long time. What hasn't spoiled... It got eaten by critters. Yes. Uh, at the very least. Critters. I think... Critters is a generous term for what mm. happened. <laughs> we, I, I understand we don't want to necessarily dwell on the specific horrors that we all encountered while within the Forest Queen's domain. The I horrors, understand. yes. The horrors. Mm. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, Orama like thinks about the the um griffin coops and hey uh, even if the critters ate the human food i suppose the griffins ate well <laughs> i mean oh. 
one of the lucky things is emerging into a situation like this. Uh, everyone's well fed, and and there's there's plenty to drink right now. But but we're how long is it going to last? Yeah. In a day or so, we're going to have a real problem. The things that were safe were the things that were sealed up tight and buried the deepest. We had to move a lot of shit and stuff around just to just to take stock of what we got. We do have a few things, but we're going to run out very soon. If we have to take too long here, things could start turning real grim real quick. Indeed. And uh, I don't want to have to think of some of the... Uh other food stocks that we could uh, use under current supply we decided not to go and take a uh, a chicken from Johnnet's hometown after all uh, yes i uh, the the rest the rest of our in in soto voice i don't think he wants to necessarily say this in general speaking volume even considering our griffin stock uh, we are quite emotionally attached to the ones we are currently keeping and i don't want to have to th- get things to come to that i mean i'm sure if things get grim enough some of the crew is going to be looking at them that way but uh well you you know gable that that wouldn't be an easy sell you know as well as I do that if it comes to having to fight Gable on a matter, neither of us would win. There are, uh, we're going to have to think of some backup plans as we head into this situation. Who who knows what we're going to find? We we might find more trouble digging through the ruins of this place than than useful goods. God so, damn it! I trust Gable's uh, intuition. This may be uh, a location found on a distant memory, but if I didn't trust them as my navigator, then we would already be in an even worse circumstance. Let's worst best comes hope to worst, if we there. get something to burn, that'll at least get us somewhere where we can get other supplies. Indeed. Let's just hope for the best and expect the worst. So, with this, I want to ask you, who spots the Saratura, or yeah, I, I think I think because it's we're gonna find the Saratura. That that's mm-hmm. not in question. I do want to know who spots it first. I well, it, in my in my head, it's like I don't know. In my head, it's like it can only really be Gable. It's like mm-hmm. we we. It feels like we're lazily coasting by something, and then like Gable's like, wait, and then it's like <laughs> wait, there's a. Uh, there and then like we just see like a a little hint of a thing i don't know it's always felt like gable is the only person who can like really identify much of anything or confirm it yeah i think well it's been 150 years so the landscape probably has changed quite a bit and i think what we've been looking for is this identifying landmark that is kind of creepy and horrifying but not Mm man-made but because the landscape is so different it's hard to know like is it that what it used to be is has it changed until we like round an outcrop and then automatically we see oh my god that's it it's like a rock formation that like looks like gnarly teeth or something like Mm -hmm. that oh yep okay (laughs) then that's it that's absolutely (laughs) it yeah it's i mean it is like built into this like kind of rocky 
area. Um, and there are years of snowfall and ice pack that have smoothed out a lot of the obviously man-made pieces. But like, I think especially Gable being on the helm as you pass this, this rocky area and, and look to the side, something strikes through you. There is a sinking feeling in, in the pit of your stomach, an icy spike that grabs at your heart. This area is unmistakable. All right, Jonat, you see that? The worst thing you've ever seen? Yeah, looking, I can't, can't take my eyes off it. It's terrible, and I'm, I'm trapped here. <laughs> Fantastic. You and me both. So that's, I'm not going to suggest we come up right on it. You'll notice that the, like, within those two spikes, that is where the main entrance were. Like, it looks like the man-made doors still are. I'm not going to take us down there. I feel like it would be in our best interest to come down a few hundred yards away so we can Uh make a quick exit and maybe send an advance team in. What do you think? Uh, yeah, and so, so we're we're talking about like a, a small scouting party, and then maybe follow up folks with that are here to like collect a little bit after. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, but uh, in the meantime, I'll take the team. I'll tell the team to start taking us down if that works okay. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Let's do it. All right. It, well, sidebar. It looks very, very bad. It's very creepy. It was meant to be. It was created in such so a way is, as to intimidate. Okay, so this is not like time. No. This is by... Okay, all right. It, okay. It became yeah. this way. But I must assure you, there is no there is no one in there. I can okay. assure you it is... What about like... It's like there's no one in there, but like did you get a sense on your way out that like there was a lingering presence that would like, I don't know, exact revenge or like what's the trap situation in here? Oh... Non non zero. There's a non zero chance, which is <laughs> that is why I want us an advanced team to see like what what sort of malevolent presence. You know, magic over time can equals bad. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You, you know, anything that's old is gonna have its little creepies and crawlies. So old things are bad. Mm-hmm. Just approach with caution, as I'm saying, but don't be too scared. It should be fine. I got so many mixed messages from that. I but, know. Uh, I was you know, to, you know what? I was trying Full to comfort speed ahead. you. Let's go. <laughs> I was trying to comfort you, but also with the knowledge that you are an adult and fear sometimes is a good motivator. I think Jonnet gives like a the most like casual fuck it shrug he's ever given since being on the <laughs> ship, and just like rolls up the 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 map, sticks it in his bag, like all right, here we go. <laughs> all right, <laughs> might as well. The call moves out around the ship, something equivalent to land ho. Sight found. Um, People start uh, moving to the rigging, uh, opening up guide sails, slowing down the ship, uh, cutting back the furnaces as the ship begins its slow descent. And we can see the edifice of this place, the Saratura, as Gable has pointed out, built into the cliff face. And I think as we are looking at this, we cut to a flashback back in time, like the Uhuru passes in front of the camera and we see time flow backwards and snow and ice pack flows back. And we can see what this place looked like 
150 years ago with uh, these, this prison built into the cliff face, into caves in the cliff face, and spilling out from the cliff face the town that supported this place. Many buildings uh, and outcroppings, uh, like intermixed permanent structures with tents and things that have been brought in on skis uh, and with sleds um, that, you know, supported this full area, feeding all of the prisoners, feeding the prison staff, fueling whatever grim research that the church was doing that happened here. It spilled out around this place around a half mile. But from Gable's view, Gable first came upon this place miles out miles out onto the ice pack where the ship first made land on the shore, where the black heart of the Saratura was a spot on the distance. Uh, Gable, I want to know, when you were brought here as a prisoner, when you were captured by the church, um, before they, you know, drove you in across the snow and ice to take you to the Saratura itself— were you alone or were you with other prisoners? I think that on the way there, they were put like there were other prisoners, but they were in isolation. So there was a lot of like blindfolding and disorientation to help you not remember or figure out which even which direction uh, you you were flying or taking boats out to. Um, and then once you get once we got closer to it the on occasion you would be put next to a prisoner or encouraged to make a connection only for that to be taken away from you or mm. the the threat of like oh that person you were talking to they're dead now mm. bitter uh or like i don't know what you're talking about there was never someone named named joan just a lot of like mind fuck stuff mm-hmm and then once you got there you entered through like maybe this channel and they finally take you topside to show you where you are to emphasize someone would take you out onto the deck and point at that door and say that's the last time you'll see the sun because you're never coming out jeez jeez Jeez. Or, or I believe, as I recall, the executions that they performed were with a weird ice luge. Mm-hmm. So the last mm-hmm. time that you would see the sun itself would probably be the day that you were set to die. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, like, the first time that you came here, like, it was the darkness, the darkness of being below decks on a ship headed to this place. And the first indication of this place and what it would be was the temperature change from wherever you shipped out from, slowly you crossed harmonic convergence where Arctic air met the air of the sea, a thick fog rolled away, and the world was frigid. One day, the ship hit a thump, bumping stop. And there were the sounds of unloading before you were put into the procession. And because I think it was pretty grim, what did the procession look like? And, and could you see it as you had to, you know, walk the, the miles between the shoreline and 
the Saratura itself? Uh, probably the worst thing about it was the church's uh, tendency towards pomp and circumstance. So there was a lot of a lot of flags, a lot of banners, a lot of wasted resources and gold and uh people would go out and watch it as a as a matter of entertainment just to emphasize like we are using all these resources that will n- never go to you. You will never see this wealth. You will never have any sort of worldly pleasures ever again um and like so it was like a beautiful carnival atmosphere which made it even worse yeah i think you and the other prisoners who again you can't even see i kind of feel like in the procession uh the prisoners are hooded uh with maybe like a small hole to look through um so you get glimpses of the church finery uh, and you can hear around you prayers offered up to the slain God, which are extra grating on your ears because the language of the church, the writing of the church, is a bastardized version of the divine tongue. You know, it's a dialect of the divine language that angels speak passed through several bad translations and like in an accent that feels thick and heavy and it is like an alien speaking human words and that kind of droning and singing and chanting happens throughout the entire two mile procession and all you can see through these brief glimpses are other hooded prisoners of of various shapes and sizes and your jailers people dressed in the finery of the church of the slain god walking with all of this silk and gold and gilded finery until you are brought to the saratura itself and you are it is explained to you that when you pass through this door the last time you will see the sun will be the day that you are finally erased from this earth to please the slain god. And so the Uhuru touches down. The decision that Gable and Jonet suggested was putting together a small team to scout the area before bringing anyone else to excavate or find other resources to actually scavenge, which I think makes sense. We cut to the captain's council as a... Uh, I, I imagine the captain's council is like pretty much unilaterally decided that we'll be part of the scouting party. Yeah. But I am curious, <laughs> is anybody else, uh, have you selected anybody else to join you for, for your scouting? I like, would like Carlos to also come along. Oh, hello. hello. Oh, that makes sense. Um, I feel like uh, in the in the vein of like trying to get like a beefy crew member, I feel like I want uh, Wendell. Yeah. Mm. Um, Wendell, but I think both Wendell, Wendell has an axe. Wendell has two axes. <laughs> Jonet has like, uh, an axe as well. <laughs> and so, and like a, a big duffel just in case. <laughs> oh, 
Elevator. I just like the feeling of two axes at the same time. You know, could you please stop twirling them? Please stop twirling them, though. I'll stop twirling axes when it stops being super fun to do. (laughs) You keep dropping them. They keep you keep releasing them out into the open air, and it's very dangerous. You don't need to be good at twirling axes to have fun twirling axes. No, no, that is a requirement. But for twirling axes in public. One of the axes flies out of his hands and thunks into the ship. You're right, that was fun. (laughs) (laughs) No, Carlos, do not gamify this. Do not encourage him. No, it sounds like someone got two points, though. (laughs) And uh, Liz, who who, who else do you think is? I miss my friend Nodos. Mm -hmm. I think we should just have the whole Mm -hmm. party boy gang. Mm hmm. The boys back together again. That's us. The guys. Boys night. Yes. Boys night. So I heard you three almost drowned last time you all hung out together. Hopefully that won't be the same this time. (laughs) Well, that was on purpose. That was a hold your breath contest. We decided not to drown. Although there, there was a minute where Nodos and I were walking back through those tunnels and we were pretty much 100% that you would probably drown. (laughs) And I did drown. Anyway, but that's (laughs) for me to know and you to not know. So let's get on with it. You'll have an extra set of eyes on you, Gable, don't worry. Carlos says behind their goggles and you cannot see their eyes at all. I trust that you are looking at me gently. Carlos smiles. That's nice. I I picture Carlos being someone who's like all of their clothing and whatnot is so covered in soot and coal dust and like smoke and whatnot that Mm -hmm. when they smile, like their teeth are just like this bright thing that is coming out of like an inky darkness. Yeah, there, there are two things about Carlos that are always immaculate. Their teeth and their immaculately polished nails. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Love that. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. So we have our scouting party. Uh, I have, like I said, put together some custom mechanics, a special oh, little mechanics. fun mini game uh, for our adventure here. <laughs> I, I have a, a deck of standard Illimat cards here. And mm-hmm. what we are going to do is you are th- – we're, we're going to do a couple rounds of this. The first round, everybody is going to get to just draw a card Afterwards, for anything more, you're going to have to roll uh, to find things, but there'll be a little bit of finding things. Each of these cards is tied to a prompt uh, Mm -hmm. that I will read out, and that will determine what you have found. Some of these things are going to be really helpful for you. Uh, Some of these things are going to be actively harmful for you. Fantastic. Um, Yay. Good to go. So this will be a fun and interesting adventure for everyone. Let's do some scene setting. I want to know, uh, is everybody going off on their own? Are people pairing off? Um, Hmm. And where are you looking first? I mean, in my head, this is very JRPG dungeon kind of thing, where we're all kind of like moving as a unit. And then if cave rats appear or whatever we all 
get into formation. Yeah. 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 I feel like we're, we're a clump until like we get to a root, a space with like four other rooms and then we divide up. Yeah. Like if we all find a really large room, we'd end up spidering off to go look at other things. Right. Yeah. And I guess before we begin this, I have the very selfish request, which mm-hmm. is I want to know what the Arctic action outfit is for each of these characters. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we, we've yeah, got the cold weather sales. circumstance. Just please describe your your cold weather uh, uh, gear for this sure. expedition. Uh, I think I mentioned that Oromar had like a, one of his long jackets, but it's like heavy fur trim. And still with the tricorn hat, I guess it's velvet lined this one, so it's a bit a bit Ooh. fluffier. Carlos, on the other hand, I'm thinking like bodysuit, but we have like the big gloves and boots with the fur trim around the ankle and wrists. It gives mm-hmm. off a very a very interesting silhouette. I kind of like the idea that Carlos is sort of almost always wearing something that is akin to a bodysuit. And the difference for the Arctic one is that there's fur lining. It's just like, <laughs> shing, I, I definitely, I, I definitely picture like a, a, like a lab coat or a worker's apron when actually on yeah. the job. But yeah, bodysuit underneath that. Let's go. I'm into that. Well, I mean, I, I just like on the job, like he's got the mm. apron, but he's got the gloves and he's probably got thick boots or, mm. or they, excuse me, they've got gloves and, and thick boots so i just assume that that like they're always like this kind of covered otherworldly figure because they have to wear all of this protective gear sure, yeah, yeah, for yeah. their job and this is just the winter premium skin version of uh, <laughs> you really have to grind for to, uh-huh. to or, or pay seven dollars or just yeah. pay seven dollars <laughs> pay seven dollars <laughs> um i think jonnet is jonnet is still in cloak from mm, the captain oversized uh, yeah the oversized cloak and oh. so i think he's very much like chicago he's trying to chicago winter it where he's just like layered up underneath <laughs> it and then he has the cloak on top of it and so i think it's like it's a kind of it's kind of big and baggy but the i think the the duffel on the side kind of like kind of like cinches it up so you can kind of see some sort of like some kind of cut of like, oh, there's a person in there. And then he's got like this large axe that Jonathan is not an axe wielder, but he was told that like we might need to like break up wood for the mm-hmm. ship. Mm-hmm. So he's like carrying an axe and where Wendell is like having a lot of fun spinning it around. Jonathan feels really sturdy with it over his shoulder, but do not ask him to fight with it. <laughs> I mean, we say that Jonathan was told that he needed to carry the axe. The reason for the axe is this is for the action figure line. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. they're like, everybody needs an accessory. Okay. I guess mm-hmm. we're going to give everybody axes for this plot line. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> that's, that's why, that's why we had uh, our bathroom attendant suddenly out of the blue, be like, I'll get the axes. Yeah. It was a very last minute <laughs> plot device where it's like the producers were like, we need to sell toys. <laughs> How do we get it in there? I don't know. Have have the bathroom guy say it. Jonathan doesn't hold things enough. We need to, <laughs> we need to hold things. And then I think um, uh, he has his bandana has been like swapped out for like some somewhere along the way. He's got like a. A much more thick, like winterized, like crocheted bandana uh, that yeah. oh, goes around. Yeah, I love that. That's yeah. really cute. <laughs> oh man, Gable 
doesn't look the the most that they've got i think is like high out altitude bird gear which is mm. kind of what you want it's mm. a little bit chilly but it's more focused on like cinching places that wind would get than it is about like real intense layering so they have that and they're still wearing like their purple leather coat because that's a perfectly warm piece of equipment and the way that they've addressed like the 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 rest of their body is just like one big old like almost blanket scarf that's really wound around their heads and like <laughs> over over the nose and ears mm-hmm. with just little mm-hmm. little eyes over the top and holding a big old lamp because we're going into caves and stuff. That's great. That's great. Um, and I think Wendell and Nodos, I will say, just have uh, Wendell comes from you know up north. Like he's got a big big fur coat. Um, Nodos is not from a cold weather place, no. so he is borrowing one of Wendell's jackets. So Nodos, this like tiny little stick man in this gigantic like fur jacket, uh, looks to have like the same body profile as Wendell now, except these skinny little chicken legs like coming <laughs> out the bottom of it. But yeah, they are dressed to match and everyone looks good. Everyone else, like we can see that, uh, the ship the uh i think everybody is like reduced to one furnace it is just the central furnace running to keep the heating system uh that the uhuru has going and uh, except for like necessary like scouts and whatnot as the ship has anchored everyone else is like inside the ship trying to stay warm uh with minimal supply use while the scouts move out and assess what can be taken out of this area. Um, And then, of course, everybody in the scouting party gets into the Uhuru Action Luge, which is a vehicle (laughs) playset that allows them to go around adventures on the ice um, and is sold separately. Is Hot Wheels track compatible, TM? (laughs) (laughs) But we um, we don't we don't we don't say that out loud. But like we have, it is built to like mm-hmm. fit in the track. But we cannot like we didn't like, get the official licensing. That's so weird. It just it is weird how it fits. Yeah. Hey Heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, the announcement has gone out on Patreon, it has gone out to our mailing list, and now you are hearing it in the mid-roll. We are now preparing for a new crowdfunding campaign for Skyjack's Courier's Call Season 3. June, Kieran, and Cece of the Swiftwell Courier Service are coming back. And I've heard Drew's plans for this season, and oh man, is it going to be a good one. We of course would love to have you, our dear listeners, help us bring this project to life. Right now, you can follow one of the links in our show notes to the preview page for our impending Kickstarter. You can click a button there to be notified as soon as the project launches. You can also keep up to date with this and other Skyjacks projects by signing up for the Skyjacks mailing list over at bit.ly slash Skyjacks crew. 
Heroes, I am gearing up for a slate of conventions. Next week, I'm going to be in San Diego for Comic-Con doing two events, one of them being at the actual convention itself and the other one being at an accessory convention run by the San Diego Public Library. So if you are in San Diego for Comic-Con, you can see me at the RPG Game Show. That will be Thursday, July 20th at 12 p.m. in the Neil Morgan Auditorium of the San Diego Central Library. You'll also be able to catch me at the Let's Hit a Critical panel Sunday, July 23rd at 12 p.m. in the San Diego Convention Center, room 29AB. That panel will be followed by a signing, so if you have anything of mine that you would like me to sign, I'll be there to sign it. But our RPG trivia show running out of the library, I believe, is an event that you can attend whether you are an attendee of San Diego Comic-Con or not. I'll be there with Jeff and John from System Mastery, so if you are in the San Diego area during Comic-Con, I would love to see you. Then, of course, shortly after that, One Shot has Gen Con, and part of Gen Con this year is the Skyjacks live show. We have confirmed both Nathan Blades and Tyler Davis are going to be there for that live show. I am really excited about the concept that I am working on for this live show. If you remember our live show from years previous, uh, the Gable and Travis backstory series, we're going to be doing something of a similar significance and gravity this year. If you are at Gen Con, you will want to be at this show. Tickets are still available for this, but we are down to our last few tickets. So if you have a chance of attending this show, I would book your tickets now. I don't want to have to turn anyone away because our room is at capacity or, or anything like that, but I sincerely hope to see you at that event and all of our other events. You can find links to booking those in our show notes. As always, a huge thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. We wouldn't be able to make this show without you. We've got some exciting bonus content coming up for you this week, but I don't want any spoilers for it. And yes, some of it will be Skyjacks related. Now then, a quick word from our sponsor... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And with all that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. As you move onto this place, like you get the feeling, the immediate feeling of the gravity of this place. There are some places in the world where things happened that were so bad, the stink of those actions lingers. Lingers for decades, even hundreds of years after those deeds have been committed. This place is heavy. The air here feels thick 
and oily, as though you're inhaling the soot that comes from burnt bodies. You can feel beneath your feet, beneath the hard pack of ice and snow that has built up over the years, the town that used to support this place, the kinds of people who used to live in that place, the things that they would do and the things that they would think about. Even those of you who barely know what Saraturas are beyond rumor and stories that are told to children, you can tell the reality of it. It leaks in through the snow and through the cold. Gable especially, there are memories that are pulling at the edges of your mind. Things I'm sure that you wish you could forget, but unlike the memories that you lost when you crashed to Sphere, these have been with you. They have been with you in the 150 years since you lived in this place. I think Gable's going to try and tell everyone, in the interest of keeping everyone safe, what they remember as sort of a preparation of, hey, here's the history of Zeratura's, here's what they were used for, here's what you might see, in sort of like an impersonal way, but uh, a, a very sort of arming mm-hmm. yeah. situation. I think there's there's definitely like like Jonnet is giving that that energy where it's like what what I really I'm down for whatever but someone please tell me what to expect. Mm-hmm. Well, and the bare bones information, especially it telling you about Saraturas in an impersonal way, uh after the stars fell for the first decade you know, for some even two decades after the fall, a lot of life was just about trying to survive and rebuild. Mm -hmm. You had communities, countries, cities that were completely overwhelmed, flooded with water, uh, had areas that supplied and traded with them absolutely wiped out. Um, People were isolated and struggling to survive. And for a long time, the humanity that was left in the wake of the destruction of the world simply huddled together for the warmth they needed to survive. And that was actually a relatively peaceful time. Everyone was dealing with a new and threatening world. The sea had come and swallowed the shores, Millions of people died in an instant, and those that carried on built themselves a new life on the ashes of civilization. But the rules were different. It wasn't all at once, but slowly things that people depended on started to break down. Things like time, things like the seasons— After the first ten years of the fall, seasons started to flow out of order and in unpredictable ways. Maelstroms would pop up, changing the world around them so quickly, in a way that couldn't be controlled. People who were trying to farm for the first time in their lives 
become subsistence farmers just to have enough to eat, found winter wiping out their crops. In a time like that, humanity only endures and survives by being together. After about 20 years, you stop thinking about how are we going to survive? How are we going to take care of each other? Because my neighbor might be the difference between life or death. Once you've established a life for yourself, you start to look at this broken world and wonder, why are things this way? And the neighbor who you once looked at like a lifeline, you might start to look at as though they are the reason that the world fell apart and that you live in this hell. And when we hit the 50-year mark, the Church of the Slain God built up in full, a church dedicated to the idea that humanity was sinful and evil in the time before the fall. And that sin and that evil built into a poison that killed the God that ran the world. And what is left is the broken corpse that everyone must struggle to survive in, a festering rot in the heart of the celestial thing that was. And the Church of the Slain God offered a promise that they would do something about it that they would round up all of the hateful and evil things that were the rot in the world and that they would help everyone cleanse the evil within themselves. And the Saratura were part of that solution. Saratura is a prison for things that the church deemed too foul to exist in the world, for things that the church identified as the reason that God died and the world broke. In some ways, they were right, as they did capture fallen. And at least one fallen was responsible for the death of God. These places were not just here to hold things that the church deemed sinful, though. There were too many church officials that felt it was an awful waste simply to execute enemies of the slain God. There were things that could be learned. And if they were to learn these things, they couldn't do it within sight of the average worshiper. Rightfully, they believed that no one would pay alms to an organization that did the kind of things that they intended to do. And so the Saraturas were built on the edges of civilization, where people, or as they thought of, things could be shipped, poked and prodded, learned and used, all to consecrate the power of the church. And that's where you stand now. Uh, so then, I think, are we still kind of like on the approach to this place, or are we kind of like squared up to it already? I, I think you can, you can have arrived. Like, okay. this is, like I said, this is a town that is buried under snow and ice that yeah. abuts against this cliff face where the, the prison is inside the cliffs. But, like, kind of everything in this area is something, but you will have to look for whatever you find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, is there, I don't, I, I don't know how to ask this. I guess it's out of game. Like, what are some, what are things that we would be looking for 
if we're trying to, or actually, maybe I should just wait till we get like the special mechanics. Because I'm like, what are, should we be like scrounging up, or like, what should we be trying to like put in a bag, or mm-hmm. like, what what burns the best that we can be on the hunt for? So the things, the, the the prompts that 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 you'll get will answer those questions. But the things okay. that you're generally looking for, you're looking for things to eat and drink and things yeah. to burn. Mm-hmm. Okay. If the Uhuru can get enough supplies to fly out to another place, then you can make your next move. Like you have right now uh, aboard that ship, a ton of money. The animals in the Queen's Forest <laughs> didn't give a shit about the gold that you have on the ship. So mm-hmm. if you can get to civilization, you'll probably be okay. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's a question of getting there. Okay. With uh, a long second area outside that's been uh, covered in snow and ice, I guess, uh, upon re- whenever we report back to to the, the ship, or if we find tools that could help excavate that, we might have to be looking for some shovels and some pickaxes if we want to get in mm-hmm. to the stuff that's frozen outside of the Serratura, but good to know. I definitely want to explore the big spooky building first, though. so then Jonnet as as they're making their approach Jonnet kind of like leans over to Gable is like so what did they do to you here well (laughs) does anything you say can be true um gosh I'm trying to remember if we said anything during that session handily uh, I, I don't think so. Like, I remember you were, like, kind of frozen to a wall and whatnot mm-hmm. and poked at and prodded and whatnot, but... I will answer this way. The vast majority of the property of the Saratura is cells, prison cells. It's about 80-20. That is a tremendous amount of life's lives that they intended to keep living. This is not a place where you sent individuals to immediately be dispensed with. If you had the misfortune to find yourself in a Saratura, you are faced with the prospect of a lifetime, and for some individuals such as I, many lifetimes of examination of why you are the way you are, and how that can be exploited. So, kind of Anything you can think of was done. It's quite it's quite unpleasant to think about, but it's been a long time. Then, then John was like, "Then we don't have to think about it." And then he looks up and to the building that we are actively walking towards. <laughs> we will we'll try to be fast. In that interest to the group. As I said, most of this property is going to be cells. That means that the places that the church occupied are easy to find and easy to get in and out of rather quickly. So once Mm -hmm. we can set up the layout of the building, I feel like this shall move pretty fast. How are we feeling? So it's kind of feeling like the cells wouldn't be a place where they would store anything that we could really use. It's just a holding place, steel and probably uncomfortable bedding so maybe we we don't focus on the cells. We we focus on the maybe the areas surrounding surrounding that, and maybe quarters where they would where the officials would stay. Mm. Mm-hmm. I would imagine so. Okay. That feels good to me. Okay. Unless, mm-hmm. uh, yes, I'll I mean, talk to you. Ha- I'll talk to you two about it later. 
Okay. Right. Understood. Uh, but, I mean, there's got to be a place where this place has to have a furnace of some kind, right? Like, unless this place wasn't always so icy, but... Mm. Uh, they have to do if, something to keep themselves warm here. Even if it was just the the officials' quarters, like, there's got to be a heat source, which means there's, there might be fuel. All right. Let us hope for some coal. All right. Let's start searching. Mm-hmm. Who's up first? Ooh. Oh, no, go for it. Go for it. Johnny. <laughs> Drawing a card, and I get the three of autumn. Mm-hmm. Autumn is memories of Travis. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> the whole category. All right. I'll take memories Jonathan- of Travis for 200. Smelly. Where, where, do you, where do you search first? Are you searching within the the main prison building that Gable has identified? Or are you searching like the land outside uh, trying to find remnants of buildings and whatnot? I feel like it's the the main building. I think the the course that I would like John to plot is like I assume like there's like the the big walkway when you first enter. You get to take in the 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 fanfare that you'll never see again. And then when things like lock, then there's probably like a stark shift in like pomp and circumstance where it's like you're on a conveyor belt to or like you're on a straight shot to where they keep the prisoners. But then maybe there's like a door or a hallway or two that like branch off like on the way there that like that's where like officers would would go and like you know in the prison facility there's probably a place where you you know get coffee or like have some kind of meeting yeah there's got to be some general break room stuff there's got to be like general barrack stuff and there's probably also rooms where they performed hideous experiments as well yeah um i I feel like when you first get in and like the first couple like pathways that branch off as you head towards like the main prison area, that's like where John thinks to himself like, okay, this is feels like it's still for public consumption. So there might be food there. Uh, So I think what we see like the darkness, the interior of this place, there is a pounding and a thundering, the sound of axes striking the outside of this door. And then one mighty swing as an axe head slices through the thick door and the snow and light pierces in dust and snow falls as we can see Wendell pull the door (laughs) free from its hinges uh, using the power of his necromantic arm. Um, It for him, a feat of strength like this that is horrifying to someone who is not familiar with him and the things that he is capable of. It's like he barely felt it. Like he barely registered the things that his body could do. He pushes in through uh, the debris and you begin moving through the hallways here. Jonnet, you find something that reminds you of a time that Travis put, or, or that you put Travis in danger. Uh, what is the memory of a time that you and your actions put Travis in danger? And what is the thing that you see that makes you remember that? I feel like it's it's some kind of like, let's see, my my knee jerk is like, there was like a moment where um, like kind of early on uh, the 
the ship is is in like very like experiencing like a, a good deal of turbulence and like kind of rocking up and down back and forth um we're just kind of going from a to b and at, when the crew became aware of john its presence like he was like all right you're part of the ship uh we've got some some loose cargo down in the hall that uh we don't want rattling around go tie those things down it's like okay 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 and then he does but like his knots aren't aren't up to to par just yet and so it's kind of like a faulty knot and so travis is kind of just like maybe counting counting watches or swindling someone or like doing like an (laughs) illimat card game like down in the hole uh and like the the ship leans to the starboard side and like the knots don't hold and so like we have like a crate full of like you know um it's it's like a wheat barrel or something like that Mm -hmm. and it just like comes sliding in at travis and then like he dodges out of the way it knocks over the illimat table which uh he was winning at the time and so (laughs) um he tried he like he loses uh he loses out on some money um and like i don't think he ever really learned who was responsible for not tying it down but the next time that john it was downstairs in the hall he like sees that that crate is suddenly like up against the wall and he's like oh that was me uh, and then like he sees like travis's like and for, i think from that point on travis always had like two his Illimat deck had like two cards that were completely folded over so you could kind of oh. tell what card he had if you knew what to look for um uh so that is and so that <laughs> screwed him every, over for Illimat games yeah. to come every time that card came out travis would loudly tell the story of heroically diving out of the way of the box <laughs> that some fool had tied up and uh complain about like the, just, just being surrounded by the incompetence and and whatnot yes. um <laughs> That's that's great. That's perfect. Um, what is it that you find that like conjures up that memory? I think it's like, um, yeah, it's it's like a that crate was from like a well known like high volume producer and distributor of wheat, and so like we like we're we're going in like we we like come into maybe what is uh like the loading section where it's like if they do get supplies they store them here until they can be distributed in where they should be within the prison and so i think one of the first things that jonet sees like uh he clears off like dust and like ice and he sees like half of this logo from this well-known wheat distributor and he's like ah immediately like like one shot, like one bullseye, like I nail it. And so he like, he like very haphazardly like axes into the wedge of the top of this and like opens it up only to see that like it's just filled with like plump, dead, frozen rats <laughs> and no meat. <laughs> um, and it's like, ah, ah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you, well, you you wipe away more of the snow, and mm-hmm. it's written on top of it is rat storage. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> we needed a lot. <laughs> and then he turns to Gamble, like, "What was this place?" <laughs> well, I'm glad that they labeled it. You don't want to keep on <laughs> use 
separate boxes for the rat storage when you're expecting mm-hmm. something else. Um. So yeah, and and so I think that's. I I don't know if am I am I supposed to like find something I can use because that was, no no that no that was useless. just uh that was one of the categories the autumn category is just memories of Travis okay. you find <laughs> things that remind you of Travis in times that you had with Travis <laughs> not <Right>? useful <laughs> uh, but there are useful things out there indeed uh, let's go over to Nathan yeah yeah, Nathan. yeah draw me a card draw me a card oh nathan gets the seven of stars okay stars is a lucky thing to draw because stars is finding some kind of magical artifact okay in order to determine what that is we're going to be drawing from the luminaries oh there isn't uh, a, there isn't a prompt question no no prompt question for this one uh what we get is the butcher. Oh, the butcher. Okay. Ooh. This is loaded especially. Uh, well, no, you don't know. No one has put in any effort. Um, <laughs> but this is loaded. And we won't. I would love to. Uh, but hey, okay. So the themes here are violence, dread, and misfortune. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's one of the hallways, I think, towards what would be an emergency exit in the building so not the door that we came through in but there's other exits Mm -hmm. in the building probably iced over on the other side and you can't actually leave that way now and uh ormar sees this huge stain on the wall and this big crescent arc like what you would imagine say uh, uh somebody reaping wheat using a scythe would make with their arms or a golf swing. The colour, indescribable, it's too old, and it's now just a darker shade in the, what I assume is the cold blue-grey of the stone walls of this building. But... Yeah, I mean, it is like, you know, dark, dark rock, mm. um, and everything here is very cold. So, like, I don't know what 150-year-old frozen blood looks like. Um, well, you could probably tell it's different than the rock. Yeah, yeah. The 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 fact that there is a, and on closer inspection, it's not just a clean crescent, but in getting closer, the spatter. And uh, Oromar goes, well, I would have uh, thought I'd eventually get used to feeling the echoes of death, but this is something different. But still, something that's left a wound like that in someone, well, that has to be useful. Maybe it was dropped. There are gashes in the wall and chips everywhere. There was clearly some yeah. kind of big fight near this exit. You are you are looking, and like the area that, that Jonnet kind of identified where, where you're trying to start is, you know, a, a infrastructural support kind of area for this place which suggests that maybe you did find like kitchens or 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 you know a, a storeroom within the prison itself mm-hmm. so you are looking through these things and supplies you find this scene and an interesting fact about dry ice when dry ice touches steel it causes the steel to vibrate whine it's this horrible screech that grates on you and calls out to you you don't hear it as a sound but you feel the physical sensation of that screeching as though it is 
you know, making the sound in the room with you. And you see through the shadows, through the lantern light, a cleaver embedded in the stone of the wall that demands to be noticed. Yeah, the the kind of ringing in the air is almost as if the, the sound of uh, steel swinging through the air or striking an object has frozen at a single point of time and that moment of sound is just extending infinitely, mm. has been echoing in this space for decades. Ooh. And Ormar goes over and yeah, this lines up the arcs of damage, the spatters of blood across this space. At least one of them leads here, almost radiating out from this point in time and space. So we return once again to the long line of prospective applicants uh, for members of the Skyship Uhuru. And we see a very small person uh, walk up off the line, place a headshot and resume very firmly down on the table and sort of glare daggers and in a way that like only a small, soft, like pudgy cheeked little baby child is able to glare daggers. Mm-hmm. Hey, buddy. My name's not buddy, it's Lan. Pronouns, she, her. Lan? Hey. Lan. It's Lan. like, it's like, uh, land without the D. Okay. Oh, That's what? nice. And what job are you applying for? Kicking your ass. Oh, God. <laughs> That's hardcore. All right. Oh, jeez. <laughs> We aren't, uh, we aren't one of those battleships, by the way, which aren't the kind that you're thinking of. They're the kind where you battle on, on the deck of the ship. You're, you're not trying to apply to like a, a skyship fighting ring, are you? I mean, kind of where, where, where I'm at with this, what I, I just, I want a spot on the ship. I, I know that you, uh, uh, take orphans coded as prisoners. And whatever spot. Wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, wait, uh, hang on. Overboard uh, explained to yes. me that you've got an orphan program, but you're classified yeah. as prisoners. So no, yes. what? Hold yes. on. Wait, legally, uh, yes. Legally, yes. This is a a longstanding canon to the Skyship Uhuru. Uh, previously, our HR manager Overboard uh, did, for insurance purposes, they have to be qualified as prisoners for us to be able to cover their all of their various hundreds dollars and worth of insurance. That's unfortunately the case. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, Oromar is like looking through like, paperwork. What? Why did? I mean, uh, granted, there were more pressing things going on in my life more recently, I suppose, but surely somebody would have said, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised I've not been like, had rotten fruit and stones thrown at me when I go into port. Or just, are they all in on it as well? <laughs> just for insurance purposes, right? 
it's just a coding that's, thing that's, that we had to put into the system. That's what was explained mm-hmm. to me. Again, I'm not part of your organization. I'm not the captain of this ship. That's you. So a lot of those questions should probably actually be answered by you. Regardless, and, right. I just want a position on the ship because I need to be close to you. And she points very firmly to Gable. So I can You're kick gonna your kick my ass? ass? Gonna kick oh, my ass? I'm gonna kick oh, your ass. Oh, 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 oh buddy. Yeah. <laughs> buddy, oh, uh yeah. Are you gonna kick you're gonna kick my ass? I'm gonna kick, you're gonna uh, kick your my ass. ass. Land, I'm land, kick land your ass. Hey, land, you are barking up the wrong beefy tree. Okay. Oh no, right. this is the right beefy tree. This is the right beefy tree because I've got a tragic <laughs> backstory. What's your I tragic backstory? Now divulge freak? to all of you. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's okay. All right. It um, was a okay, dark so jo- and stormy day. Okay. Giant goes to uh, uh, the equivalent of a jukebox and plays uh, the very popular unlicensed public domain backing track for this for this moment. Go ahead. It was a dark and stormy day in the town of Nordia. Uh-huh. Just oh. after the Mariner had attacked, an uh-huh. attack that was yeah. repelled by the skyship Uhuru. Uh-huh. And many children thing, yeah. were grateful grateful to, to have survived the, the harrowing night uh, and, and, and the attack of the drowned sailors. And so we were all out playing in puddles when who should come along? But uh-huh. this tall stack of biceps who starts hurling kids around. And everybody wanted to turn. Everybody wanted to be thrown. But you couldn't, you didn't have the staying power. You didn't have the patience to throw everyone. And when we begged, we pleaded to be thrown, you finally acquiesced. But what happened? What happened to us? We were thrown off into the sky to disappear into a sparkle in the distance, Team Rocket style, and I have since been training and preparing for this day ever since when I would have my revenge, when I would come back to the Uhuru, when I would join the crew, and I would finally kick your ass. Okay. Where did you land? Okay. Far away in some mud. Oh, well, uh, that makes that unacceptable, Gable. Uh, I think at minimum, you might have to offer an apology of some kind. Oh, no, I'm not offering an apology. (laughs) If someone deigns to say that they're going to come into my place of residence and say they're going to kick my ass, I'm going to let them try to at least kick my ass. Because, listen here, you little creep, if you want the smoke, I'm ready to smoke you up. (gasps) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready. You bring whatever smoke machine, whatever uh, barbecue right. smoker, whatever. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other things that produce smoke that would be acceptable for a child to know about, a child of my age. You bring whatever. Well, all right. God. How old are you? How old are you? I'm this many. Oh, buddy. Okay. That's eight. Wait, That's you're, eight years You're old. eight and you don't know... What the number eight is? I can't say those aloud anymore. That's a new disability that I acquired since I was hurled bodily into the air and landed in some soft mud. Well, here's the thing. If you devote yourself to 
a revenge project at such a young age, you do miss a lot of schooling. You really, your priorities really get shifted around. I prefer yeah. to think of it as my disability. Yeah. <laughs> you end up kind of spending a lot of your budget on like capes and uh, masks as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and also and it, just like flights to where you think the Uhuru might be. There yeah. was a lot of guesswork involved in this for sure. Yeah. Right, right. I, uh, do, do you have uh, a new, like, rival antagonistic identity that you've gained as part of this revenge arc you're working on? I mean, apart like, from uh, the one person whose ass I want to kick? Yeah, but do you have like a, you know, when when theoretically uh, you do manage to kick an ass... Theoretically, Gable, don't look at me like that. What? <laughs> what are you gonna what are you gonna say? You 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 you've your ass has been kicked by the great and terrible I was just gonna go land. That's what well, I was gonna say point, I was gonna say, welcome to the land party. Ugh. <sighs> Ugh. I mean, I don't understand it. And because I became like because, because when I was thrown bodily into the sky and I made like a little twinkle in the sky as I disappeared, I was going to be, I'm going to show you my Starcraft at the land party. I don't know, man. I don't think I want to do this one anymore. <laughs> I don't think I want to engage with this individual any further. Uh, okay, Get over so here so I can is, kick your ass. Follow my command so I can conquer you. This is something that we almost <laughs> never do, um, but uh, Jonnet uh, hits a big red button on the captain's desk, and the floor opens up underneath Lan, and uh, Lan shoots done through a series of tubes within the Uhuru, and uh, somehow shoots upward again uh, into the sky, and <laughs> ding, ding, I go blasting off again. <laughs> Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. The history of role-playing games is weird and wild, and we here at System Mastery are determined to look through it all. Every heartbreaker that drove a man to bankruptcy to see his vision of D&D with really specific armor maintenance rules come to fruition. Every game where you get increasingly certain as you read it that this is all just one person's weird fetish. Every system that painstakingly recreates how medieval life was really like, and then also you can cast Fireball. The System Mastery podcast wallows in the filth of RPG history. Come! Join us in the muck at System Mastery. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. You can stream his short film, Lining, on the Roku app. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny in Briefs or on his podcast, Bill Buds. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT or streaming at twitch.tv slash The Neoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him over on Twitter at Arnie Parrott or on his website, ATP Tunes. 
This episode was edited by Allie Grauer, who can be found on Twitter at Dreams to Become, or on her podcast, Skyjack's Courier's Call. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Lunarum. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show was made in part by using a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals. There are no kings. Take flight. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends near to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.